the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick T Podcast, uh, episode 25 on this Tuesday. Hello. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for subscribing. Please tell your friends and neighbors and moms and uncles and brother-in-laws to subscribe to the Nick T Podcast. We are on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Check out all the really great podcasts at radiomisfits.com. Tons of really great podcasts. And when you do subscribe, please take the time on all of our uh, platforms. Check out all the platforms. We're available on every single platform. But when you do subscribe and check it out, please rate and review us, okay? Take your time to do that at radiomisfits.com, at the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, and at every platform where you can check us out and subscribe to our podcast. And listen, please take the time to rate and review us. We want to hear from you. It is the Nick D Podcast. Uh, and it is uh, episode 25, as I mentioned. Uh, lots of great stuff coming up here. Uh, we're going to be talking with Dan Feinberg for our bi-weekly visit. He is uh, the uh, f- uh, TV critic for The Hollywood Reporter, and he also writes for The Fine Print, which is his website, F-I-E-N. The best uh, TV critic in the business, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, been a friend of mine for many, many, many years, and it's always great to talk TV with Dan. And again, uh, if you want to join us with questions about television or any of that kind of stuff, or be a part of the podcast in general, you can do that. Leave us a voicemail message at 773-417-6948, or you can drop us an email at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Anything you want to say to us, anything you want to say about the podcast or questions to our guests, today being uh, one of our guests being uh, Dan Feinberg from uh, the uh, Fine Print TV, uh, we'll uh, do that. And it's, again, voicemail, 773-417-6948, email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. I do want to thank um, uh, a special email that came through from a uh, listener slash subscriber, Anthony Zubek. Um, Anthony has been a listener of mine for many, many, many years, and he sent a very lengthy and wonderful uh, fan letter that I can't read the whole thing. Um, but I just wanted to thank Anthony for, one, for being, you know, uh, uh, such a huge fan and for being with us for such a long time and, and having participated in my show as being a part of my show when I was on WGN years ago and still being a part of the podcast today. And I want to thank you for a really incredible and sweet uh, email that you sent. So thank you, Anthony. And if you want to send emails or leave voicemails, you can do that as well. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, who is out of Houston, uh, for all the music and the themes and the, and, the, and the noise and all the cool stuff that you hear on the podcast, um, and everybody at Radio Misfits for uh, helping out. And of course, Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda will be joining me, as she does on every podcast. We're going to be talking about weird conspiracy theories, because there's some crazy ones out there, but there have been for years and years and years. Crazy conspiracy theories. We're going to talk about that. This isn't a conspiracy theory. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. No, it's not a conspiracy theory. That's real. Anyway, so we'll talk about that and much more. Esmeralda uh, celebrated a birthday over the weekend, so we'll talk to her about how that went. And my dad uh, comes by every Tuesday to tell a joke. Uh, and he will do that this time. So we'll hear some comedy from my 80-year-old dad who loves to tell jokes. 
and we will hear uh, all kinds of fun uh, other stuff. And uh, it'll start out with Dan Feinberg um, from uh, the uh, Hollywood Reporter, and we're going to talk TV. Uh, but first, let's check out this greatness from Jason Skaggs. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jackal. feels like a news bulletin dan feinberg from somewhere else that would be la dan feinberg uh great tv critic for the hollywood reporter and for the fine print which you can check out f-i-e-n the fine print it always does sound like a big bulletin dan like we got some big news I, and I'm not even sure that there's all that much news that I'm prepared to break today. I feel like last time we <laughs> talked, when we talked about the slap, we were yeah. sort of talking about, we were talking about all of the, <sighs> what everyone was talking about. Today, we're just talking about TV, I think, right. which is just fine. <laughs> and some good stuff, though, I think, uh, that we'll, we'll, we will be talking about. We got some uh, some reviews that you did for, uh, for The Hollywood Reporter and for the fine print that we want to talk about. One of them is... Uh, Executive produced by Michael B. Jordan and has our fair city uh, all over it. It's um, all it's all about Chicago. Chicago is uh, is very very much one of TV's happening spots these days. Not just on various Dick Wolf shows on NBC. Right, right. Um, so we get to that and some other uh, other things. But I do want to talk about some of the things that uh, that we had seen uh, that aired that many of us have watched between now or between the last time you were here and now. Uh, real quick, Better Things. Um, the last episode of Better Things, which, uh, well, actually, the last episode of Better Things was on last night. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I don't want to talk about that one because I haven't, <laughs> I forgot about it. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> but the week before um, was, I think, my favorite episode of the season thus far. You are going to have to remind me of what we are actually up to. This is the problem with getting so far ahead is that I just it, lose track of where okay. we are. It's the episode where, um, it, well, where Diedrich Bader's character eventually kind of tells Sam about what happened uh, with her oldest daughter. I don't want to give it away in case people haven't seen it. Um, but does it in a way that only my generation and and, Pam, and Pamela Adon's generation would truly understand with an after-school special reference that kind of knocked me off my chair. Um, and um, I just, the scene after that with uh, Mikey Madison coming home drunk um, was one of my favorite scenes uh, ever uh, on that show. Um, I thought it was just beautiful. And everything else about that, about that episode. Um, uh, I just, I just thought it was, I thought it was a, a, a really great episode that had such a strong, strong ending. And the way that those characters or the way that he broke the news to her, I thought was pretty special and pretty spectacular in, in that way that better things is great. 
And that means that this week then is going to be the anti-penultimate episode, which was, and this is my fair warning to you, it was the episode I liked least this season. It was the Mm. episode I thought was just good as opposed to great. So so brace yourself for mere goodness. (laughs) Grace yourself for just quality television. Exactly. As as opposed to extraordinary television, which it is. is it, It is not a bad episode, and I think you will find things in this week's episode that you enjoy quite a bit but uh but for me it was easily the least of the season's episodes whatever that actually means did you say that this episode that's going to be airing that aired last night i should say or you know if we're (laughs) going to be honest that's going to be airing in about three hours um uh did you say it was the penultimate anti-penultimate oh anti-penultimate oh okay yes and that is the that is the april 11th episode let's just keep that simple for people who are otherwise confused on when this conversation is taking place the april 11th episode is the anti-penultimate not to be confused with the penultimate not to be confused with the series finale which is just a couple weeks away now i can't even believe that i mean i don't want this to end i'm sorry i just don't (laughs) (sighs) i i understand but you know, there's still a lot of TV and uh, there's yeah, still yeah. a I lot know. of better things still to come. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I but I love the show and I'm going to miss it terribly. Uh, and it's just it's just so great, especially after episodes like the one from last week. Um, all right. Speaking of FX, <laughs> uh, I don't even know where to begin with last week's episode of Atlanta um, uh, titled The Big Payback. Episode four. Yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, is it? Po- <laughs> I, I honestly, Dan, I don't even know how to broach it. I, I, uh, I, I was astonished by it on so many levels. Uh, I thought it had, uh, as Dabney Coleman said in the movie version of Dragnet, balls the size of church bells, um, and uh, I just thought it was uh, an amazing episode of television and. If everybody thought that the first episode, the premiere episode of this season, was a weird kind of standalone, at least it was connected in some way to to the characters, Uh, this one is a standalone that kind of isn't, and it is one of the ballsiest things and uh, one of the best things I've seen. I mean, Atlanta just continues to be, I mean, it's the shit. There's just, there's, there's no question about it. Where do you stand on the big, on the big payback? Well, what I'm going to say is this was my least favorite episode of the season by a lot. Really? Um, and, and again, saying my least favorite episode of the season means I think it was a good episode of television. Um, to me, this did not feel like the thing that the show does best. I feel like the show has done a lot of very, very, very good, has done a lot of fantastic best on television style stuff, uh, going with different genres, uh, doing different types of storytelling. This to me felt like the show breaking into sort of speculative fiction. It felt like it was science fiction. It felt like it was kind of a twilight zone episode kind of thing. And I guess all I would say is I felt like I got it within five minutes, what the show was doing. And then I just got it. That that was just where I was is. And I felt like there were a lot of smart points that were being made. I kind of enjoy the idea that, some people might have taken it varying degrees of seriously and literally and and how those reactions might have played out. I thought that it was a good conversation starter, but a good conversation starter that could only be a conversation 
that would be had by people who probably agreed what it was, with what it was saying anyway. Yeah, yeah And yeah, so yeah. there was a little bit of a preaching to the choir nature of it. Um, no, I thought I thought it was a good 40 minutes of television or however long it was just it, the thing that it was doing, the kind of science fiction thing to me felt a little bit clumsier and more heavy handed than sometimes the show is that wow. that is what I'm going to say. I didn't okay. dislike it by any stretch of the imagination. I just maybe liked it less than I don't know, like like I rewatched the third episode almost immediately after watching it. Yeah. Because it was full of little things that I felt like I was missing at every turn. Right. And, and that's kind of where I like Atlanta to be is, is to be in that sweet spot where, because I'm laughing at one thing, I miss the thing that's punching me in the balls. That's happening in the other corner of the frame. Right. And, And I felt like with the big payback, it was just punching me in the balls the whole time. And I knew exactly what it was doing. And I don't know that I need to see it again. Whereas the old man in the tree, it, it is so fascinating all of the things that are happening in that episode and where the humor is coming from. And just the little things like what van is doing in the background of shots. Yeah. Yeah. In that episode. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one of the, one of the great qualities that Atlanta has is that it's some of the best episodes um, make you feel really uneasy. Um, I like really uneasy and episode, that third episode, the one that you're talking about, the old man in the tree, I was like uncomfortable the entire episode, the entire episode. I was like, what the hell? I, you know, I like on the verge of freaking out the entire episode. I will say that that did not happen during the big payback, but I thought what you were talking about, what, what they tried to do, I thought they were very successful at like really successful. And clearly it's like a twilight zone episode. They wanted to make a twilight zone episode and they did, but they made it about the kind of thing the kind of things that Atlanta is always about. Uh, and, and like the themes that it explores, I think it did it in a way that I thought was like very Twilight Zone-ish, but also very true to the core of what that show thematically tries to explore of every episode. So it completely worked for me. But yeah, I mean, the third episode, my God, I, seriously, I mean, you want to talk about just feeling on edge. My God. And you're and you're just never sure. And it's one of the things that the show does best is you're never really sure. Is this going to be one of those episodes where something really bad is going to happen? Or is it going to be an episode where you're just going to find yourself laughing at all the bad things that didn't happen or at all of the things that got so escalated for other people, you know, so for some characters in that episode, horrible things happened. There was the end of an engagement. There was yeah. potentially the death of a tree. Right. Um, whereas our characters mostly just sort of drove off and and that was fine. And it yeah. was, you know, it was okay for them. They just sort of got to look at the craziness of the world for uh, it, for 30 minutes. <laughs> I was glad that they wrapped it up the way they did because I was like, where's Sassy Beats? Where is she? And then she's just eaten. I just thought that was fantastic. <laughs> It was the things that that character was doing in the background of of the episode, whether she was stealing the antiquities, whether she was pushing multiple people into Into the pool pool, and just no one was noticing. No one was caring. It it was just it was about the invisibility of of black women was mostly what it was about. And and the way that she embodied that invisibility (laughs) as kind of this this absolute prankster. And, And that was the thing that she needed to do to let off steam i i thought that was fairly glorious <laughs> that was fantastic it was great i was i but i loved uh the big payback and it and, and i will say this it, it you know 
the whole preaching to the choir thing, I guess, is legit. But it did, I mean, on my feed and me just tooling around, it, that's an episode that pissed a lot of people off. A lot of white people. It pissed off and, a lot of white people. <laughs> and and that's that's sort of, I guess... The point? I guess I don't... Well, oh, it's absolutely the point. Yeah. I just, I, I guess my own... And this comes down to how everything is received in one's bubble. I guess I've sort of voided... <laughs> the people who would yeah. get pissed off about right. something like that right. from right, right. my bubble. Yeah. Um, and I guess, and I'm, and now that you mentioned it, I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't have people in my, in my various social media feeds who were getting pissed off about the episode because yeah. I would have liked to have seen that reaction. I think, yeah. I, I think that would have been a good reaction. And I, I guess I missed out on it because everyone in my feed was sort of like, ha ha ha, funny, funny sci-fi satire, nicely yeah. done. Which, yeah. I which is it what is. it is, which is what it yeah. is. But it, but it, uh, in the world that I was kind of s- scrolling around through afterwards, a lot of white people were pissed off after that episode, <laughs> yeah. I, which know, I thought I, was the, I, which I thought was great. I was happy about oh, that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It is an episode designed to be misinterpreted. That is yeah. that is just yeah. what it is, or to be or to be read either as more as more humorous than it's intended or to be reviewed or to be <laughs> viewed as not humorous at all. It's like, right. like it, and it, whereas it's very clearly trying to be right in the middle, it's supposed to be we're making a joke about this dot 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 comma, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which well, I, I have to say this. I mean, I think we can we can agree upon this. I thought and I don't I can't remember the actor's name, but I thought casting the douchebag from The Hangover was genius. I thought that was the. <laughs> that was the best part of the of was casting one of the oh, douchebags from the hangover. No, just Justin Bartha. That is yeah. that is the way that he is used most properly. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I assume you did not watch execute the all the brutes, which was on HBO last year. That I was did in not. my top ten. No, I um, did not. It is very it, it is very different and in no ways connected. But one of the amusing things that Execute All the Brutes does, and for people who don't know, it is a Raoul Peck directed four part documentary series about colonialism, racism, and the world. It's about everything. But one of the fun things that the show does is it has a number of reenactments about basically white atrocities over centuries and in all of the cases the person committing the white atrocity is played by josh hartnett and he (laughs) and and so the the dark joke of it all is josh hartnett is the embodiment of white colonialism across a four episode documentary series and it is it is so dark and I've seen so many people misinterpreting what it is, uh, but I, I feel like there's a similar thing in with yeah. this episode to the yeah. way they're using Justin Bartha. He's oh, sort of man. the, because he's, he's so clearly well-meaning in every way, but he's this specific kind <laughs> right. of well-meaning and yeah, it is, it is a thing Justin Bartha does well and he yeah. was well-selected to do it. Perfectly cast, yeah. Anyway, okay. Well, Atlanta continues, Better Things continues. Um, and uh, let's, uh, let's talk about some of the stuff that you wrote about. We mentioned it. Let's get to it. 61st Street on AMC. A lot of the folks who are local, I mean, my, my podcast goes out all over the place, everywhere, uh, but I'm based here in Chicago and a lot, of my, a lot of subscribers are from this fair city. So we're always interested to see another TV show based around this city. And it is to some degree. I would say not enough. On the other hand, it was filmed completely and totally in Chicago and environs, and it it feels like it is. And it's yeah. Uh, I have it, I have has... friend I have friends who were hired, so yes, I can. <laughs> God bless. Hey, this is this has to be a good time to be a working yeah. Chicago actor. So absolutely, yep. 
Fantastic. Okay, so it is, for people who do not know, it is on AMC, and it is created by uh, Peter Moffat, who did Your Honor on Showtime, the Brian Cranston show. He also did the original British version of the show that was made for HBO, remade rather, as The Night Of. Uh, he's he's a very prolific, fairly smart and thoughtful uh, British writer who has lately been taking a specific interest in criminal justice in the United States, sort of mm -hmm. an outsider's interest. And the premise is basically a young Chicago track star, you know, entirely clean of behavior, not in any way in a gang, gets caught up in a very, very shady Chicago police drug bust and makes the unfortunate but somewhat understandable decision to run in the process. A cop is killed and he's thrown in jail and basically thrown into the corrupt side of the Chicago justice system, to which people could say, is there another side to the Chicago justice system? And I'd say, I'm in Los Angeles. I don't know. We have our own corruption here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't say with any certainty. Um, but yes. So anyway, he his case is taken on by a public defender, a, a old public defender nearing retirement, played by Courtney B. Vance, who plays who plays attorneys about as well as anybody currently working on TV. Uh, his character is married to um, an aspiring politician played by Anjanou Ellis, who's fantastic. And if people are saying, wait, didn't Courtney B. Vance and Anjanou Ellis star in the Chicago set scenes of Lovecraft Country on HBO? Yes, they did. Mm -hmm. uh, there is There is no Cthulhu side to this. There is no science fiction. It is just about... Uh, you know, a city, a corrupt city and what it does to people, some of whom are trying to do the right things, some of whom are not trying to do the right things. And so there are the various law and order people. So you have uh, the great Holt McElhaney as a cop who basically is going around doing shady stuff the whole time. Not much nuance. Um, basically, what I said in my review, and this is also what I said in my review of, of Your Honor, way, way back in 2020 when that one premiered. feels like 100 years ago now. Because <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I have to say, 61st Street feels like it premiered about five years ago at this point, uh, is that he likes to play games of prestige television bingo. Is is basically, there is very little here that you have not seen in other shows. And some of those shows are his shows. So there are a lot of similarities to Your Honor. There are a lot of similarities to The Night Of, uh, but there are also a lot of similarities to The Shy, which, you know, is a show that has been doing Chicago and some people feel doing Chicago very right for a handful of years now on Showtime. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I appreciated a lot of the conversations it wants to have. So the politician played by Anjanou Ellis, part of her platform is the whole defund the police campaign. And so she wants to be having those conversations. And not surprisingly, the police officers on the show don't want to be having those conversations. And, uh, and there's a lot of talk about the difficulties of being a public defender in a city as murky as Chicago, et cetera. So I like a lot of that. There's just a lot happening. There's a lot happening that feels like it's mostly happening to elongate storylines because this is a plot line that 100% could have been an ep a, a single episode of a Dick Wolf procedural. Um, without a question, this whole episode could have boiled down to 44 minutes on Law & Order. 
And oh. instead, it's an eight episode series. And sometimes you feel as if you're getting more nuance out of that, you know, okay, got all this time. So there's some character work. And then other times it feels like, okay, well, now what you've done is you've just given me an extra hour to throw in cliches from largely better, gritty, urban police type dramas, whether it's The Shield, The Wire, you name it, basically. So I, I want to, I, there, were, there were things about it I liked. I always like watching Courtney B. Vance. I always like watching Ingenue Ellis. I'm so happy she got the Oscar nomination for King Richard this year. She's deserving of any recognition she gets. I, I just wish after having watched six episodes that I was really excited to see where anything resolves in the last two. And, and I can't honestly say that I am. Hmm. Okay. All right. So that is, uh, that is uh, uh, 61st Street, which is on AMC, and it runs. When does that air? Um, it it actually airs all all regular and weekly style, just like an old fashioned TV show. No. I believe it is. I, I believe it airs on Sunday nights, and yes, I, I believe it is simply airing an hour a week. God forbid. So hmm. adjust your life accordingly. Uh, speaking of the wire. Uh, that group of geniuses uh, has a new show coming on HBO and HBO Max. Uh, and uh, have you seen it yet? I have not, though the screeners did just arrive either today or yesterday. Depending or on what day it is. <laughs> who who even knows anymore? Uh, but yes, that would be um, kind of blame. We own this city. I get confused because at this point, David Simon shows are starting to have the same name. I don't remember what the name of the Oscar Isaac urban planning show was anymore. Uh, oh, was, yeah. I forgot the name of that one, too. Far far better than your typical urban planning show. Um, right. <laughs> yes. But. But well, yes, we, we uh, own we, the city, um, which has an amazing cast, and I, I, you know, lots of lots of wire people in there. Uh, I was very happy to see that. So. No, it, it, the the trailers look terrific, and it and it's all. I mean, it's all of the things that uh, David Simon likes. To, David Simon and George Pelicanos. It's you yeah. know that's basically it's your your to hear various top tier uh, people from from the uh, the wire, and yes, so the the cast includes. Uh, Josh Charles, Marlo's uh, in it. One, uh, Marlo, who does, who certainly has been getting a lot of work. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm glad to see that he's been. Uh, that would be Jamie Hector. For right. Sorry, I always call them. I always call the wire people by their character. Oh, absolutely. Names. And and, and if you are not a fa- <laughs> and if you're not a fan of Bosch, that would be pretty right. much <laughs> where right. Jamie Hector would be from. But yes, it is. It is a tremendous looking cast. Uh, Treat Williams, bunches and you know, of bunches I, of people. I, I love that Treat Williams is in it because it, to me, it's like a, and I know that David Simon knows this, to me, immediately, because of what this plot is about, what, you know, the corruption of the police department and what it's about, the casting of Treat Williams, considering he gave one of the best performances ever in Sidney Lumet's Prince of the City, um, seems like a fantastic, like, okay, we're going to put Treat Williams in this role, and people who know Prince of the City will love that. <laughs> so. Oh, there, there is absolutely, there is no question that yeah. that is a thing that went into the casting process because, because yeah, when you're doing when you're doing a certain kind of corrupt urban drama, you're looking back at movies like that and yeah. having Treat Williams there, and Treat Williams also 
very good actor. So oh yeah, know, who, no no no, who, do, not, who doesn't yeah. get enough work? But. Oh, I agree. I totally agree. But I just love the because I love Treat Williams. I like like you said. I think Treat Williams is one of the best actors uh, ever, and I've loved everything he's been in. Hell, I love Deep Rising. That's how much I love Street Williams. Um, you've, go- you've gone too far, Nick. <laughs> gone too far. Um, but, but I just thought, like, when, you know, when I saw the first trailer for it and I knew what it was about, when I saw Treat Williams, I'm like, yes, my friend. Little tribute to Prince of the City. All right. No, I am, I am looking forward to that one. It is on my... By the time we next talk, yes. um, I will have seen... I believe the entire uh, run, which is only six episodes. It's, yeah. I believe well, it's I'll, just a six episode limited series. So, so I, I will transform into green, the color green with envy because you will have seen it. Uh, so there you go. Um, so, well, speaking of crime shows and people who create crime shows, um, uh, the Michael Mann is behind uh, a, a new show on HBO uh, Max, not on HBO, HBO Max only. So it's not actually on uh, HBO. It's a Max production. And that's Tokyo Vice. I've seen uh, two of the three episodes that are available. I watched two of the three episodes that are available. And I saw that you reviewed it. Tell us about uh, Tokyo Vice and what you thought of it. And then we can talk a little bit about that latest Michael Mann production. Yes, I believe I've seen five episodes of that one. I think that was what I reviewed off of. It's really hard to keep track anymore. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But well, yes, three, so- three, are, three are available on HBO Max now. Um, and I watched uh, two of them just uh, this morning. So, and, and I think they're doing a weird. I think that's yet another one of the kind of strange rollouts. I feel like it might be like three, two, three, or something. It's it's yet another one of those. What is the strangest and most confusing way that we can uh, right. drop a television show? And and this one gets things. dropped new episodes. However, they're doing it on Thursday. That's that's the yes. new one. So in a couple of days, the next set or two will be dropped. So. So anyway, so the, the uh, it is based on the memoir by uh, Jake Edelstein um, about about himself because it's you know a memoir, um, yeah. and it's it's his story of being. Now wait, a, let me ask you this. I'm sorry. Mm. Is it is his memoir called Tokyo Vice? Yes. Oh, it is. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just thought is, maybe that I just thought maybe Michael Mann got in there and went, let's just change the title of Tokyo. No, I would sus- okay. I would suspect it might have been the other way around is that someone might have come to him and said, dude, do you want to do our pilot for right. a show called Tokyo Vice? And he okay. might have gone, yeah, you I've been there, done that. Come on. Yeah. Yes. The, the book is Tokyo Vice, okay. an American reporter on the police beat in Japan. And there I just I just uh, described the entire plot of the show, <laughs> which is very convenient if you can do it that simply. Um, right. Yeah. So basically, Ansel Elgort plays. Jake, who is a young American in, in Tokyo, who is an aspiring journalist. And rather than attempting to, I don't know, I feel like the normal course of action that most um, white journalists in Tokyo would take would be to be somebody's bureau uh, stringer or to work for the Associated Press or whatever. Instead, he tries working for a major Tokyo newspaper that has never hired a foreign reporter. And so there is all sorts of fish out of water stuff that he has to learn. He has a loud bellowing um, boss who calls him Gaijin at all times and other various (laughs) vague stereotypes. Um, But he also has uh, Rinko Kikuchi as his primary editor. So always so good. So always nice to see her getting work. Um, she was she was just in Apple TV Plus's Invasion, which nobody I know has I'm... seen, enjoyed, acknowledged, <laughs> and yet it got renewed for a second season, and they say it's a hit. So neither okay. here nor there. Uh, <laughs> so yes, and then he's he's trying to figure out things like making various police contacts, and so he 
he befriends a grizzled homicide detective played by Ken Watanabe, who is, of course, as always, tremendous. He yep. is he is excellent. And then he also becomes involved with both the Yakuza, but also with uh, various Tokyo hostess clubs. And so that primarily brings him into the sphere of a American expat uh, played by Rachel Keller, who people will know from either the second season of Fargo or maybe from the society or from Legion, you know, people, people should know who she is. She's really yep. terrific. Yep. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's kind of him going down this, you know, the dark wormhole rabbit hole, whatever into the underbelly of Tokyo and, you know, sort of learning a lot of the same things that Michael Douglas learned in Black Rain, which I assume is one of your favorites based on your love for Ridley Scott. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that it, it, movie. It's, <sighs> it's, bot it's bottom of the barrel Ridley Scott. So if you already think that Ridley Scott is yeah. not necessarily all that great, Black mm -hmm. Rain is about as bad as it gets because it came out of, it came out at a very particular time in which being xenophobic and terrified that the Japanese were about to take over America was apparently a thing. Uh, it yeah. seems not to have happened, but if you no. don't, if you're back too young 19, to remember. Back in 1989, <laughs> it was a thing back in 1989. Oh, go back, yeah. go back and watch, go back and watch Rising Sun with, uh, with Sean <laughs> oh Connery my, and Wesley Jesus Snipes. Jesus Christ. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it is, it is not Philip Kaufman's finest moment. Um, <laughs> it, I, it, it's a movie that at the time had things that, I thought were amusing about it. I am 100% sure that if I went back and watched it now, I would find it probably terrifyingly racist yeah. Uh, yeah. because oh, it was yeah. already right on the edge, even at the time. Uh, anyway, so this is actually set in 1999. So it's a little bit past that particular paranoia, um, but it still is very much of a, okay, we're going to filter a story of a foreign culture through the uh, fresh-faced white guy in the center of the story. And it, to me, Ansel Elgort is not horrible. He is, on the other hand, so bland that it's hard for anything else in the series to get around his blandness. And I'm, there are I'm, some... I'm glad, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you're not the only one that feels that way. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It's, yeah. So so that's sort of where I came down on it is it's a show with a lot of things that I like about it. But every time they go back to Ansel Elgort's story, it's taking time away from things I cared about more and performers who I thought were better. So, yeah. What, yeah. Did, what did you think of the episodes you watched? Well, I watched two episodes. I thought the first I thought the the one the, the pilot was pretty great. And uh, Michael Mann directed that one. And it, it's got Michael Mann style written all over it. Um, and it was distinctly different from the second episode. Um, and I really liked that. I, and I, I, you know, I, like you said, all these great supporting actors and supporting actresses in it. Um, I thought the locations were really used nicely. It's beautifully shot. It's really, you really get a sense of place and a sense of time, you know, 1999. I think it captures that weird kind of time, uh, very well. Um, and you know, uh, I, you know, and I and I'm going to stick with it. Obviously, I found it, you know, uh, you know, uh, interesting enough to to continue to watch. I couldn't watch the third one because I had to do this uh, <laughs> and you know a couple of other things. But I'm going to go back and I'll watch the third episode. And on Thursday, I'll jump in and watch the rest of them. Um, I think it's you know relatively compelling. But man, I think there's a zero in the center. And and I've kind of felt that way about him, about Ansel Elgort, except for Baby Driver. I even had issues with him in West Side Story. Um, you know, um, I've kind of felt that way about him. The only time I've ever actively really thought he was really good was in 
Baby Driver. That was the only time I've ever f- seen him jump off the screen. Other than that, he kind of melds into it, and especially in this. I mean, when you're when you're in scenes with Ken Watanabe, I mean, for God's sake, you know, you're going to get eaten up. <laughs> so. it, there's and there's there's a lot of that. I, I didn't even think he. I thought he was. Fi- I thought he was fine, basically as well. In Baby Driver, I, I thought that Baby Driver had a lot of colorful people around the edges, and then whatever energy it has is because of Edgar Wright and not because yeah. of yeah. the performance at the center. Um, and then West Side Story, for sure, he's the he's the weak link. What he does, I, I feel like what his what his strange niche is is being just good enough not to ruin better things that he's in. (laughs) Like, I feel like you could have, there are plenty of actors who over the years have been bland enough that they have legitimately ruined things simply through their presence. Yeah. Uh, For a long time, that was the way people felt about Keanu Reeves, for example. Now he's become beloved and all of that. And, you know, no one would ever dare say anything like that about Keanu Reeves, but there was still a, a solid 10 year period where what you would have said about Keanu Reeves was, man, when he pops up, he draw he yeah. drains the energy I, from everything. <laughs> I have to say that I'm very happy that I don't have to defend him anymore because I spent <laughs> I spent a, a long period of time defending Keanu Reeves. I'm I'm one of the I'm I'm from the beginning. I was with Keanu from the beginning. If it didn't, if it wasn't a period piece or an accent, I was great with him. <laughs> Certainly, thought, those would have been the things that he would have been worst in. But yeah. like I've seen people attempt to uh, praise his work in Devil's Advocate. Is that would you go that far? Yes, I do. Wow, that's <laughs> yes, I, uh, I I can that is that is a bridge further than I am prepared to go. Um, <laughs> though, like, but I can understand, like, because you have Al Pacino in that movie at his absolute well, most hammy. So everybody's everybody who... everybody's out of control in that movie. Uh, everybody is, uh, the, it, and that's one of the things I love about it. I mean, Charlize Theron is ridiculous in it, and um, and com- like. Completely over the. I know I'm, I'm. I don't want to get into a, a 20 minute discussion about how much I love the Devil's Advocate, <laughs> uh, but no. But anyway, yes, I can understand why people, you know, would feel this way. It is c- comparable to how people felt about Keanu, to what you feel about Ansel. And and like so, I feel like as a rule, he, you know, he doesn't ruin things for me. But I've never watched anything he's been in where I haven't thought, okay, a better actor. Yeah would have improved the thing he was in. And yeah. I definitely feel that here. But even then, I'm not sure it, it matters because the the genre conventions would have still been the genre conventions. It would have still been the white guy in Tokyo show yeah. without necessarily needing to be. And especially in a moment at which um, Apple TV just premiered the really, really terrific Pachinko, which is still an outsider story because it's about Koreans in Japan after a period of Japanese colonialism in Korea, but it's still all local actors, all local dialogue. You don't need to filter the show through a boring white guy. No offense to boring white guys. I am one most days. (laughs) Um, Not every day. Occasionally I'm a, I'm an amusing white guy, but mostly I'm a boring white guy. I can, I can acknowledge that. 
Uh, so yeah, that, that was where I felt, you know, cause, cause I, I would just rather watch the heck. I would rather watch the Rachel Keller show. Cause I like Rachel Keller, even though I'm not sure that character who is, I believe not in the book. She is, I believe entirely a composite fictionalization, whatever, and feels like it. Yeah. Still, she felt like she had interiority. Whereas I, I don't know what's happening with, with Jake on that show. And every time it's about him. I'm more interested in other things and other people. Yeah, I agree with you. I guess we, we I think we agree hundred percent on that. Although I am going to watch it. I'm going to watch the rest of the run because there's will, good, there's I, good I stuff start. in it. There's good stuff in it. So, um, all right. Uh, I, Disney plus, uh, has been doing the Marvel thing very successfully. And the latest is moon Knight uh, with, um, Oscar Isaac. Uh, people seem to uh, have gone, uh, pretty much crazy over this one where does this rank in the world of of marvel on disney plus god the world of marvel on disney plus okay so i need to i need to go through the different shows it is not as good as wandavision wandavision was quirky and fun and did interesting things with characters who i cared about so uh, wandavision definitely the best of those okay um falcon and the winter soldier definitely was a show that existed it was a show that i thought started out (laughs) i thought the problem is i thought it started out promisingly and then it kind of fizzled for four or five episodes then ended okay but ultimately i came away not really understanding why i just spent six hours watching it uh then you got hawkeye where hawkeye was definitely not the least interesting character in it on the other hand uh, Haley Steinfeld was great and Kate Bishop was a great character. And the second half of the show was a lot of fun, especially when Florence Pugh showed up because Florence Pugh makes everything better. Absolutely. So, so there are the Disney plus Marvel shows uh, and Loki, which for some reason I forget, even though it was, it was fine it, at times it was even significantly above fine. I, you know, apparently I forget about it, but at times yeah. that was a show that actually took some intellectual risks in ways that I, appreciate it this one to me is is a tougher show because it has oscar isaac and everyone loves oscar isaac and there are reasons why everyone loves oscar isaac because he's a lot of fun and he's a lot of fun here even when he's doing the stupid ridiculous uh dick van dyke in mary poppins not really cockney well not really british accent that he's doing Mm -hmm. he's at least consistently bad at it and there seem to be reasons for it (laughs) because the the character has he's got issues and so the whole premise of moon knight for people who don't know is basically the the guy has multiple personalities and at least one of them is is working as an emissary for an egyptian god of a certain kind and so he has powers and a magical suit and all of that the show is I would say not doing a very good job at all of actually giving us any sense of what those powers are, who this character is. Um, I am personally irked that they have erased all of the character's Jewish background, which is one of the distinctive things about the character in the comic is that he is the son of a rabbi. They did that really? Um, the, The thing about this character and the thing about, you know, most of these Marvel characters is that they've had dozens of incarnations, obviously. And so the Moon Knight uh, has a Jewish, has a rabbi for a father, and there's a Holocaust backstory and all of this stuff. It is one of the versions of the character. It is probably the most successful and well-known version of the character. But there have been other versions that have sort of steered more towards the mental illness side. Uh, the He has dissociative identity disorder, and that's what's happening with him. Then there have also 
been versions that have essentially just treated the character's alter ego as basically the Marvel version of Bruce Wayne. So there have been different backstories mm. to the character. I, I am always going to be the guy who's going to say, ooh, a Jewish superhero, that's sure. what I want. Sure, um, yeah. Because because I like to be seen. Um, <laughs> right, right. If you, if you are a listener with dissociative identity disorder and you feel like, but why not have both would be the simplest thing. Uh, so I don't know that I feel like this is a very good showcase for a character. I think it's a good showcase for an actor. And so I can totally sit back and watch Oscar Isaac acting and have fun with it. I'm just not sure I'm interested in what they're saying about Moon Knight and who he is and all of that stuff. So I'm a little mixed on it. I know some people really are over the moon and, and really dig it. To me, the mental illness stuff is interesting. It was just all done better in Legion on FX, which was mm. a show that I honestly found a little bit impenetrable and finally quit on. Yeah. But I still appreciated it, even though I quit on it. Sometimes I just quit on things because there's too much damn TV. Uh, yeah. And that was yeah, what yeah. was up with Legion is there just wasn't enough time. Uh, have you watched any of this one yet? Uh, I have not. I have not. I'm not a big Marvel guy, uh, Dan. I, I don't. I just kind of don't care about that. <laughs> Uh, stuff like I hated the last Spider-Man movie. I know I'm in the minority on that, but I, I haven't even seen. I haven't even seen it yet. One day, one day I will. Oh yes, one day I will. Um, I, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not a big comic book guy. Look, I love the new Batman movie. That has nothing to do with Marvel, but I loved that because it's the least comic book movie. You know, my favorite comic book movie is Logan. That's the kind of comic book movie I want to see, and and I liked the Batman for the same reasons that I liked Logan because it was based in a reality that I could grasp, and it really was dark. <laughs> so uh anyway so the, this is not this does not speak to me but i will i will say this i have uh, friends who are way into it uh into the world of marvel my friend scott is a big time comic book guy I used to we were roommates like 30 years ago and to say that he has crates and crates of uh, comic books is an understatement because i lived with the guy for a while <laughs> um and he's loves this thing he loves it he loves moon knight so uh, so in that regard, I know that there are some people out there that are digging it. And I love Oscar Isaac. I do. I think he's great. And, you know, so he's he's really good. I, I am always perplexed by him because he uh, because this going back into the Jewish thing. Hollywood has decided to cast Oscar Isaac as Jewish a lot, despite <laughs> the fact that he is not the least bit Jewish. So it's a little bit funny to me that having established that they <laughs> like to cast Oscar Isaac as Jewish and right. casting him as a superhero with a jewish backstory they decided not to make him notably <laughs> right. jewish that is I, that yeah. is confusing to me it, it is confusing yeah i mean especially coming up to scenes in the marriage uh you know uh so you know i mean and they've done it before but scenes i mean scenes scenes in the marriage in the marriage was just like uh just like what was it six months ago so <laughs> you know again feels like five years but yeah, yes, yeah. it was yeah. it was it was in this emmy cycle is the yes. only that's the only way i can keep track of anything is was it in this current emmy cycle and the answer on that one is yes it was yes it was um you talk about giving up on on shows let me mention i texted you by the way uh <laughs> this um and uh, uh and i'm sorry to bother you with the text but i had to <laughs> you, um, you saved you saved me time so so tell well, the listeners and save them some time too i appreciated being I, uh, warned off <laughs> i'm a fan of pete holmes okay i like him i think he's funny i think he's a smart writer i think he's a good stand-up and i was a huge fan of his hbo show crashing Huge fan of it. I thought it was funny, and I liked him on it. I thought it was ballsy, and I thought it was a really great 
portrait of what it was like to be a stand-up. Uh, and, and you know, a lot of the cameos by the real stand-ups, especially the storyline involving Artie Lang, there were things in that show that I really loved, and I really like him a lot. And so whenever I see him in anything, I immediately go, oh, I got to watch that. Well, he's in a new CBS sitcom about bowling called How We Roll. And I had never even heard of it until I was watching the Grammys, and they showed a commercial for it. And I'm like, oh, you know, I used to be a good bowler. I like bowling. I love Pete Holmes. I think I'll watch this. And then I texted you and said, what is how we roll? And you said that you had not seen it. And nor that, nor that anyone was particularly telling me it was all that good yet. Right. But I, I, and I was perfectly happy to sit back and let you experience it and, well, and inform me. <laughs> I, I watched episode two because, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to watch the next episode. And so I watched episode two. You say that you've, have you ever dropped out of something like, okay, I lasted nine minutes. I lasted nine minutes in a 22 minute sitcom. I couldn't go past nine minutes. Uh, Has there ever been a breaking point for you like that? Like, it's like, I can't do this. And you're only like single digit minutes into it. Um, I mean, keeping in mind that most of the time I don't have that you know, option at all. Cause yeah, you got to review it. Right. I got to deal with it, it whatever yeah. it is. Um, yeah. I mean, there are, de- God, with a, with a sitcom, I, I always get through the episodes because it's only 22 minutes. I mean, I that's sort of yeah. why I end up keeping track, uh, of sitcoms significantly longer than mediocre sitcoms significantly longer than I keep track of mediocre dramas. You know, it's just simply easier for me to right. keep watching right. the Goldbergs regardless of whether it's so-so at times <laughs> right. or even right. occasionally less or occasionally better. You know, there there were reasons why I watch it. Yeah. Uh, whereas dramas, God, I'm trying to think of a time when I've like watched 15 minutes of a drama that I knew I wasn't reviewing and simply said, okay, I can walk away. Yeah. I've definitely watched an episode of a drama and said, right. no, I don't right. need to do this. Well, <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, nine minutes, Dan, nine minutes. And I was like, I can't, uh, I can't do this. And, and I realized it was there were only, you know, like, I don't know, what, 12 minutes left. Uh, I couldn't do it. <laughs> it's absolutely horrible. And in that way that CBS sitcoms can be horrible, this on every level. And even on the bowling level, it was bad. Um, so uh, yeah. it, it was it was not an accurate depiction of the <laughs> of the bowling lifestyle. Nope. Not at all. And I love Pete Holmes. But man, this is his. I mean, it, so anyway, how we roll. I'm I'm glad I saved you from watching it because it is absolutely horrendous. It's too bad because I I like uh, Shy McBride. Yep. I uh, Julie White is is a Tony winner. I have much respect for her. There are there are good people, and I I never finished Crashing because for whatever reason I simply just lost it too much TV. Uh, but I I like Pete Holmes. I like his comedy. I like him as a, a likable performer. Uh, and if you, if you had texted me and said, you know what, that's a pretty good show. I like it. I would have watched an episode or two to talk yeah. to you about it this nope. week, but you, nope. but you did not tell me that. And so I did not. No, no. Nine minutes. I mean, I lasted. So anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you, what, uh, what will we be talking about? Are you watching anything uh, in the immediate horizon here? I'm trying to think of what I can actually talk about because a lot of the things that I'm watching and trying to get through are embargoed for right. various different points of time. So I can't tell you about Amazon's outer range other than to tell you that maybe you don't need to watch it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I can't review it because it's embargoed. So I certainly can't say that. I'm in uh, that I'm in that camp with the Northmen right now. Um, I can't. <sighs> that's I can't too bad. Say. 
Yeah, I know. I can't tell yeah. you that you. That, I can't tell you that it's great. Uh, so <laughs> well, lots of lots of people have lots of people have though. I thought the embargo I know. was up. I on think that the embargo. I think the embargo was up. I saw it like a week and a half ago. So I'm, I'm still in that mindset where I can't say that all is forgiven for the AMC commercials and the Lucy movie. That's all I'm. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It sounds like you. It sounds like you haven't watched nearly enough of Nicole Kidman's TV shows as well, because at a certain point it becomes too hard to it becomes too hard to forgive. If you if you had watched Undoing and if you right. had watched uh, the the Hulu thing where she played the spiritual guru. Oh uh, God, I got I, I couldn't get through it. There you go. There's yeah. another one that I couldn't I couldn't get through. Yeah, no, that. Well, one anyway, was, it's it's yeah. it's well, I think she's made up for it. That's just, that's okay. all I'm saying. I anyway. good to, good to hear. I can I can be down for it. Cool. All right, uh, Dan always. A pleasure it's fantastic uh people can check you out at the hollywood reporter and of course the fine print uh f-i-e-n the fine print.com if you have a question for uh for dan at any time uh, you can leave it for us on a voicemail at 773-417-6948 or email nickdpodcast at gmail.com dan we will talk to you next time because there's always a lot of tv to talk about sounds good always a pleasure nick okay thank you dan all right there's uh dan feinberg and uh, we'll talk to him again uh, next uh, couple of weeks, in a couple of weeks. Hey, you know who we're going to talk to now? The one, the only, the wonderful, the Esmeralda. Esmeralda, Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda. Yeah, yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah, that's right. Every time you hear that theme, you know it's time for Esma, Esmeralda Leon. Uh, and uh, she joins us uh, every uh, podcast to chat and hang out and do some cool stuff. And uh, also she's here on Tuesdays to not only hang out and chat, but also to hear my dad's joke, which is coming up. My dad's going to tell a joke, but let's say hello to Esmeralda Leon. Hi, Esma. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. You know, the only reason I'm here is for the joke. Yeah, that's it. I know. You couldn't (laughs) couldn't care less about any of the other stuff. I was like, what? I don't want to do that. And you're like, well, my dad's joke will be. I'm like, wait. You suffer Hold through on fr- a minute. You suffer through Fridays. You're like, all right, I'll do Fridays. <laughs> There's no joke, but I'll do it. I so, uh, couldn't do it without you, Esmeralda. You know that. You know that. Oh, come so, on now. Hey, no, I'm serious. So, um, you have your dad's joke, though. <laughs> yeah, I do. I have those. Well, I've had those for you know 56 years. So, uh, <laughs> you know. um, so I, I uh, you know, the last time we talked, it was uh, before your it was it was on your birthday where we had all the surprise yes. guests where people were ringing yeah. my doorbell oh. and I my creaky door. Uh, You're you know, very creaky. Did you get that fixed? Creaky. No, I haven't gotten it fixed. Uh, no. Oddly, oddly, I'm not able to uh, open the door right now because the sound effect is not loaded into my thing. So that's why I can't do it. Your door <laughs> has been sealed shut. It's been sealed shut <laughs> for the next for the next 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, so so anyway. Um, but your birthday uh, happened over the weekend. It was on Friday. We celebrated it on Friday on the podcast. And uh, and if you haven't listened to that podcast yet, you have to pretend that it's Esmeralda's birthday when you listen to it. But you had some stuff planned. <laughs> um, yes. You, you and Colin had some stuff planned, and Colin took you to an opera. Uh, tell me, mm-hmm. tell, tell, tell us all about this opera that you went to and review it for us. So we went to, uh, we went to the opera. I had been one other time. Um, we got seats all the way at the top, 
so it was a bit frightening. Oh, uh, <laughs> at, at, the, at the lyric, right? At the lyric, yes, right? at the lyric. Oh, man, yeah. Um, and there's a sign like as you're walking in to those seats and to those balconies, it says "Don't lean over." <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I just, you know, when when that's the 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 advice, it it worried me a little bit, but it was fine. Nobody fell. Do you suffer from vertigo or anything like that? Do you get? No, but you know, it's still unsettling when you know you kind of have to keep your wits about you as you stand and you're walking like i start to get thoughts like oh my god what if like someone trips and they just roll down to the yeah so yeah i wouldn't do well um i'm not i'm not good at that i would i would probably spend the entire opera like clutching the seat the 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 uh the handle with the handlebars yeah because i'm on a bike the (laughs) the uh the armrests i would be yeah fun fact they're all bicycles (laughs) that makes it even more dangerous you're actually on a bicycle (laughs) there's stationary bikes uh yeah um but we went to go see fire shut in my bones and that was actually the last uh the last day of it um so it is a memoir of uh, a new york times columnist charles m blow and it just talks about his life in the South growing up and essentially being uh, abused by a cousin of his. And like, um, so it went through th- that whole thing and it was, it was quite good. It was, yeah. um, I believe the first black composer at the lyric. Um, Are you kidding me? To show their opera. I believe so. Good. I it's 2000. Like it's thing. 2022. Yeah, you would think, but no. Jesus These things Christ. are just starting. <laughs> oh my god. Um yeah, I want to say it was the first. Or if it, it wasn't the first, it's one It's one of, of one of a few. Yeah, exact which is bad enough. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Going up. Yeah. yeah. And it was an all black cast, I believe. Wow. As well, which is it was amazing and there was this um the kid who plays Charles M. Blow as a child just insane because you know yeah. it's opera so they're singing in opera they're, they're singing in general and he's in a like the first half which is about hour and a half well, so how old like, is this kid how old are we talking about he's probably like 10 12 i would Good say Lord. something like that and wow. i'm just like wow wow that's yeah amazing. i can't it's it was yeah it was amazing to watch him and just <laughs> think like yeah i, could, I couldn't do that now so God, when i was when i was 10 i had my finger up my nose and i was watching the stooges this kid's singing opera Right, that's amazing. And then, yeah, and then I'd never actually seen an opera. the The only show I had seen was My Fair Lady, and it was it really wasn't like opera opera. So this this was very much, and it was in English, which I've never like even on TV I'll see operas and stuff, and you know they're always in foreign languages. Right. So it was interesting to hear the way opera is sung. You know the the kind of the 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 movement of it or whatever how it's. It yeah, it was very interesting. It was really wow. good. So it that's very cool. good. And then how did your dinner turn out? You had a roast that you had sitting for a while. How did that turn? Oh, out? Oh yeah, it was okay. <laughs> uh-huh. I think the slow cooker may not have been the way to go for it. I don't know. It wasn't as uh, tender as I was expecting it to be. It was tender, but I was expecting it to just fall apart, which mm. I think maybe because it wasn't. It's just in the slow cooker. Like it it had juice and stuff, but like I've made pork shoulders in sauce and things, and those things just melt. Yeah. So I think because it didn't really have like a sauce sauce around it, 
And those and are more also, breezes, I guess. Also, you know, what what cut of meat was it? Because, I mean, that makes a difference. It shoulders, was pork shoulder. It, oh, it was a shoulder. Okay, because I was going to say shoulders yeah. are, are, are prone to fall apart when you, when you slow cook them because of the cut of meat. Yeah, and it was like seven hours. I don't know. Maybe I should have cooked it longer. I don't know. Yeah. It was okay, though. It was good. It was still good. Yeah. Like the marinade was really good. So you had a good, um, you had a, you had a good birthday weekend. Yes. Okay. Eating it, pork shoulder and watching operas. There you go. And this didn't happen. Not at the same time, unfortunately. No, no, I know you couldn't bring the pork shoulder into the opera on your bike. That would not, oh, uh, that would have been so good. That would not have worked out. <laughs> but this, so, so I am to understand that this didn't happen. You think you can get me to a hospital? I think I broke my ass. That didn't happen. No, not yet. Okay. All right. I think I broke my ass. Okay. And you haven't gotten to this yet either. I am just an old man trying to get some wedges. Yeah, not yet. Okay. I'm mm. going to assume a few months in. Yeah, it'll. It's it'll, not an immediate. One day you're going to wake up and go. I think I broke my ass. It's going <laughs> to. That's just going to happen. You know what I like to wake up to? Mm. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Oh, of course. Hey, Who by wouldn't? the way. By the way, she's just standing there like, hey, she just stands next to my bed all night. Just stands there. And then when I wake up in the morning, she says, hi, I'm Carrie Russell and I love Nick's show. Hey, uh, <laughs> so, you know, the flashback horror weekend convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. It's coming up in August, the first weekend in August, August 5th through the 7th at the uh, Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I missed last year, but I'm back this year. I'll be doing my hosting duties and moderating duties and all that cool stuff. I'll be there all weekend mm-hmm. and having all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, and you will be there, Esmeralda, because uh, I am hosting a live uh, version of this podcast there. Oh, well. So you'll be there hanging out. and We'll have some really fun special guests that uh, are uh, are part of the weekend, and we'll work all that out. So there's going to be some really cool stuff. And, and Esmeralda, it'll be your first time at the, uh, at the convention. Yeah, I've never been. You I get feel like meet- I should... I should uh, like study. You can watch a bunch of horror movies beforehand. You yeah. got till August. You got till August. You and uh, yeah, you and Co- I don't really watch horror movies. So you, you and know. Colin load up on on horror movies, and uh, and you know I'll tell you which ones to watch because of the guests that we have. Yeah, you yeah, that I mean? would be so, perfect. Yeah. Now, well, here's the deal. I mean, that weekend. Uh, well, I mean, the biggest, the big, the big guy is Robert England. Fre- Freddie is going to be there. So yeah. uh, and Heather Langdenkamp from the first uh, yes. Nightmare is going to be there, but they so just those announced. I've, I've seen the first one. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I've yes. seen New Nightmare. I've We've seen... talked about New Nightmare. Yeah, and then I've seen the one where I think it's like his kid. Though the Dream Child. Yeah. The one. Okay. I All think right. there's uh there's a so there I mean we there's going to be a lot more guests that are Nightmare related from different movies. But sure. the, 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 the one that they just announced now, and the reason I bring it up because I was playing this. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Is because mm-hmm. there's a director who a, a director named Steve Miner who's showing up. Mm-hmm. He, they just announced it today that Steve Miner is going to be a flashback. And he directed um, uh, two Friday the 13th movies, including the 3D one. Um, mm-hmm. The 3D one where the guy, where Jason squeezes the guy's head and his eye pops out and flies out into your lap because it's 3D. <laughs> Yes. Okay. He also directed Halloween H2O, which is the second best Halloween movie um, featuring maybe the best performance that Jamie Lee Curtis has given in the franchise without question. He directed Mm. that. He directed House, which is that crazy horror movie uh, with William Catt and Richard Maul. Uh, And he also, uh, he directed Lake Placid 
the giant alligator oh, okay. movie with Betty White. Yes. Um, but he also directed season three, episode one of Felicity. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And if I moderate, oh and I think God. I'm gonna, I, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna moderate his Q and A, and I'm oh gonna disappoint, I'm gonna disappoint the fans by spending the entire hour talking about season three, episode one of Felicity. <laughs> How is there no like Felicity uh, convention yet? I don't, I don't know. I should probably get a, get going on that, huh? Uh, or like something that would then have Felicity people, yeah, there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would love to meet uh, any of the Felicity gang. They've all gone on, you know, a lot of them have gone on to other things, like, you know, uh, huge things. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah. and, you know, and directors and writers and things like that. I mean, J.J. Abrams, for God's sake, he's the co-creator. He basically rebooted Star Trek and Star Wars. Um, you know, Matt Reeves, the other creator of Felicity, he just directed the Batman, the last Batman movie. Mm-hmm. So these people mm-hmm. have gone on. And so... But anyway, Steve Miner directed uh, episode uh, uh, one of season three, and that's also of Felicity. That's also the first episode to feature the second, the new theme song and new credit sequence. Because the first oh two, boy, well, fir- so <laughs> you're gonna um, have a lot to talk about. And in that episode, she, Ben, she wanted to move in with Ben. Felicity wanted to move in with Ben. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway. Um, so uh, just in, in case people are interested, I'm not going to talk about the, the you know, Halloween H2O or the Friday the 13th movie or House or Lake Placid. I'm going to spend an hour uh, talking about Felicity uh, season three, episode one. <laughs> that'll well, clear that'll clear yeah. the ball. That'll clear the ballroom out real quick. <laughs> so, oh, my God. But anyway, I'm not going to do that. But anyway, he's going to be there and he's a he's a really, uh, really talented director. And so it's just they keep announcing really cool people. Alex Winter, Bill and Ted. He's going to be there. Nice. Yeah, Bill of Bill and Ted. Um, and he's um, from that movie, Freaks. Freaks that he directed. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He's a terrific so director. Freaking weird. He, he made a documentary. He made. He's made some documentary. He made a documentary about Frank Zappa. Alex Winter is a really, really good director. Robert Carradine from uh, Revenge of the Nerds is going to be there. Um. Yeah. So Very it's nice. and uh, Ogre. Wait, the, who was? Ogre's gonna be there. Ogre's gonna be there. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Donald Gibb. Absolutely. I always, I always yell nerds. He is gonna the be time. there, and he'll do that. To, he'll do that for. He'll Ogre pick you, style. He will pick you up and go nerds. I mean, I he's a nerds, one, nerds, nerds. Yep. He was at a few years ago. He was there a few years ago. He and Curtis Armstrong, who played Booger in Revenge of the Nerds, and nice. it was, was also he was Miles in Risky Business. They were there together a few years back, and he couldn't be he couldn't have been cooler. I remember Don, the, I always ask Donald Gibb if he'll call me if he'll tell me that I'm dead uh, I'm dead pal because that he chases uh, Albert Brooks around uh, a parking lot in Lost in America. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> do you remember Lost in America? Not no, I do because you had me watch it. He would. I, you know, um, I, feel, but... I feel like such a jag off. <laughs> you had me watch it. Um, but he was the guy when, when they get into the big fight after Julie Haggerty loses the nest egg, they lose all their money mm-hmm. and they're, and they're at the Hoover dam. Uh, mm-hmm. my favorite line in the entire movie is when the camera kind of peeks over the Hoover dam and you can hear Albert, Bro- Albert Brooks says, nice dam, huh? Do you want to go first or should I? When, after they lose all their money. <laughs> anyway, so she hitchhikes, they get into a fight and she hitchhikes. And he's like, don't hitchhike here in Nevada. That's one of his lines. Uh, so they, he, she gets into the car, and Donald Gibb is the big dude who picks her up. 
And he and so Albert Brooks tracks them down at a truck stop and is like, oh, she's going to come home with me. And Donald Gibb tries to beat the shit out of Albert Brooks. He punches him in the face. And nice. so that's Donald Gibb. And at one point he says, you're dead, pal. If I wasn't wanted, you know, you'd be dead, pal. So uh, so that's the line I always make. Donald I love Gibb it. Saying. Yeah. But anyway, he's going to be I there along with a ton of other people, a bunch of people from the Nightmare movies. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. But anyway, that's I just awesome. wanted to mention that Steve Meyer, the director of uh, season three, uh, episode one of Felicity. <laughs> episode one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> with the new theme song and the new opening credits. I was just very mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, it's new. You know, after two seasons. So anyway. All right. Um, <laughs> so that'll be fun. We'll have a great time. And, uh, and, and, yeah, yeah. and, and all the horror fans, you're going to love the horror fans, Esmeralda. They're nice people. They're really, really cool people. Oh, I've seen, you know, I've seen your pictures and, and just from, you see stuff from the conventions and things like that. Horror people seem to be like the sweetest, they nicest, they watch the, people. They watch the sickest shit in the world, but they are mm-hmm. the nicest, they are the nicest people on the planet. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, we'll have fun. It'll be your first uh, convention. That'll be in August. We'll have a great time doing that. Yeah. And hopefully, our uh, subscribers, we want you to come out. It's going to be great. And we're going to be doing live uh, podcasts from other places too. Esmeralda, we're going to be doing one from uh, 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 earlier than that. Actually, I'll, I'll give you. We haven't narr- narrowed uh, nailed down the date, but we're going to be doing mm-hmm. one from the. Ga- we're going to do one from the Gale Street Inn. Oh, yeah. Well, that's right, because he was saying he wanted that. Yeah. yeah. So George George Carzis is going to host a live uh, version of the Nick D podcast. Esmeralda will be there and. Uh, we'll get I some. Will, uh, yeah, and we'll eat some ribs, Roll man. Roll on in. Yeah, yeah right. we'll eat some ribs. Roll on out. You mean? You'll, yeah, you, they... you... <laughs> I'm gonna walk in and we'll roll out. Exactly <laughs> right. So that's at the Gale Street Inn. Check out GaleStreet.com, the greatest restaurant on the planet. So, hey, um, do you like weird conspiracy theories? Um. Yes. You know, it's th- this day and age. It's a little weird because, like, a lot of them are now taken for for like real news. Yeah. But, well, you know, there are they are inherently someone believes them. Yeah. Which then to them makes it real. Yes. I thought we could talk about some of the more ridiculous conspiracy theories. Now, have you ever seen the movie Conspiracy Theory? Speaking of Mel Gibson. Oh, and we weren't. We were speaking of Mel Gibson before we started recording. Sorry. I was just <laughs> that was just a private <laughs> conversation you and I were having before we started recording. Yes. <laughs> but have you ever seen the movie Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson? Um, I don't think so. It's actually pretty fun. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a pretty fun movie. He plays like a lunatic who believes in conspiracy theories. Uh, which I actually not a stretch for him, um, right? But, <laughs> but there are other like really great movies that have like conspiracy theories and or explore conspiracy theories. One of my favorites is a movie called Capricorn One. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen Capricorn One? No. Well, it's James. Bro- I mean, I can't go through the cast. It's an all-star cast from the seventies. Uh, but James Ooh. Brolin. Is in it. OJ's in it. OJ Simpson is in it. Uh, oh boy. Sam Waterston. Um, and they play um, astronauts who are about to go to Mars and land on Mars, but they get pulled out of the mission at the last minute, and mm-hmm. they f- and then the the Na- NASA fakes it, and so they have to go along with it. Like the astronauts have to go along with it. Hal Holbrook is Wait, in but charge. Why did they stop it? Because there was an there was something inside the rocket that would have blown up and killed them, but but they didn't want funding taken away from NASA. So they faked oh. it to make it look like it was okay so that they continue with the space program. Is this so a they have comedy? To... No, 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 not at all. It's a thriller. And, they, <laughs> and, the, and the astronauts have to go along with it because if they don't, NASA and the bad guys will kill their families. 
So I they mean, have to like wow NASA. <laughs> so they have to pretend it's all dark government stuff, which is one of these you know what are conspiracies are about. Yeah, so they have yeah. to pretend that they actually they're on Mars, they went to Mars, but then what happens is this is the great twist, Esmeralda. You ready? So they are holed up for like a year and a half. You know how long these missions last. So they're holed up for a year and a half away from their family. Everybody thinks they're on way to Mars. They get to Mars. They land on Mars. They jump off the you know thing and they say, hey, um, we're on Mars and all this shit. And we're then, on Mars. The, you know, and so they're, they're holed up in like a warehouse in the middle of the desert, you mm-hmm. know, uh, kept away from everybody. Uh, and they, they are forced to be there. And uh, Hal Holbrook is the kind of the guy that's leading. And meanwhile, Elliot Gould is in it, who plays an undercover uh, reporter. It's, oh, it's so good. Anyway, um, so what happens is the actual, because they do send the rocket up. They do, ha- they do launch it, except that the astronauts are not on it. But okay. on, the way, on the way back, the rocket fucking blows up. Ugh. Yeah, why would they send that if they so knew it was going to blow they up, sent, though? They, but they sent, and I think... I, no, I don't know if it, I don't know if there was anything that was going to blow up. I think I'm sorry. I think what happened was that they they threatened to take the government threatened to take funding away from NASA from the space program, and they didn't want that to happen. So that's why they said mm-hmm. we want to make sure that this works. So you guys are not going up. We'll send it up. And so when the rocket re-enters, it blows up. So now oh everybody thinks that the astronauts are dead, but they're not. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, you can't. So <laughs> I survived. So, like what? So then it's about. The government's going to kill these astronauts, so they escape. OJ, Sam Waterston, and uh, and James Brolin escape, and it's about them getting away from the government who's trying to kill them with their black helicopters and shit, and they mm-hmm. have to get to Elliot Gould, who's a reporter, who will report this conspiracy. Wow. It's awesome. I'm seeing NASA in a whole new light <laughs> because of this movie. Like, dang, NASA. It's not just NASA. It's a whole government conspiracy, okay? Yeah, but still, NASA's got quite a hand yeah. in this. <laughs> so it's one of the best conspiracy movies ever made is, is Capricorn 1. If you've not seen it, you really should. It's a great movie, a great thriller. It's a lot of fun and uh, an incredible cast. Like, I mean, I haven't even run down. I mean, it's a ridiculous cast. But the thing is that the first one in this article Esmeralda, mm-hmm. that I that we're looking at, is that the moon landing was fake. Now, have, have you read about that over the years? And that's where this movie came from. Obviously, all the, for years, people were like, "Yeah, the moon landing it never happened. The moon landing was fake." There's a a whole bunch of people that think that the moon landing never happened. So that's why Peter Himes wrote and directed Capricorn One. Is kind of an mm-hmm. answer to that. So, did you hear about that when you were a kid? Did you ever hear that? Now, nah, the moon landing is fake, or did you ever read about that? I mean, I've always heard about that, and that's always the joke. Like, if there are conspiracy. Th- theorist people yeah it's that the moon landing was fake like we've been what we were watching um uh x-files oh well conspiracies uh, out the yin yang there yeah <laughs> we were watching x-files and you know there's that group yeah the, the, the group that he the, lo- the lone gunman the lone gunman yeah the lone gunman yeah, so yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah like you always that's always like oh the moon landing was fake like that's always the the go-to conspiracy yeah whenever there there's a conspiracy theorist theorist yeah. on tv that, that's the legendary one right and then you mentioned mm-hmm. we mentioned the group in in the x and god the x-files that whole goddamn series was about conspiracy theories yeah, <laughs> but they're real oh i know i love the x-files i'm one of those dorks uh who in the 90s i would be inside watching the x-files if i wasn't in a play I would be yeah. inside watching watching the X Files. I love that show. <laughs> I loved all the reboots. I love all the movies. I'm I was totally on board for the Yeah, whole Colin thing. had me watch the movie. I think I fell asleep. There's, there's three of them. There's three <laughs> movies. Well, he had me watch one of them. Okay. The one with the spaceship. 
and they're in, <laughs> well, uh, well, wait a minute. Now that <laughs> it's a spaceship, but then they're but they're in like the North Pole or whatever. Okay, that's that's the first one. That's the that's the yeah. first. That's a great. So you had movie. me watch that yeah. one. Yeah, it's a great one. But now you mentioned the Lone Gunman. By the way, did you know that the Lone Gunman? I'm sure Colin knows this. The Lone Gunman had their own spinoff series. I did know about it just and because. It, yeah. watching them and i was like they're fun <laughs> yeah they got their own spinoff series called the lone gunman um it lasted i think it barely lasted a season of course i loved it <laughs> I yeah it was, i thought it was great but the lone gunman get their name from another incredible conspiracy theory and that of yes. course is jfk yeah so um yeah i don't yeah, so the conspiracy is, at least on, on this list, is that the government killed JFK. That's, which, you know what? I, who am I to say? That, well, <laughs> like Oliver Stone made a whole three-hour movie about that. I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I have a friend. My friend Dan mm-hmm. uh, is a JFK assassination. He's a nut. He is a nut. And before I've known, I've known Dan since like the mid eighties. I met him like in 1984 ish. Mm-hmm. And one of the first long conversations I had with him was all of his conspiracy uh, theories about the JFK assassination. Cause he doesn't believe that it was a lone gunman. He doesn't believe that it was Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald was a patsy according to my friend Dan and he, the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, so I remember, <laughs> I remember seeing the movie JFK with him because mm-hmm. I wanted to see it with him. I was like, okay, you know, because for years at that point, I'd known him six, seven years. And every day at some point he would talk about the JFK assassination. He was obsessed. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He obsessed, Esmeralda, obsessed. Yeah. So um, he, he knows more about the JFK. And then when I saw the movie, I was like uh, sitting next to Dan during the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. watching JFK and watching him go, nope, mm-mm, and like shake his head. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You know, like, you, you know how when you, when you watch nope. a TV show or no, a movie. No, 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 no. Yeah. That's, and you're, that's wrong. Nope, that's wrong. Yep, that's exactly right. <laughs> it was just, he was saying, and you know, there's a big scene in JFK where like Donald Sutherland basically comes in and like explains a bunch of, he's on a, he's on a park bench talking to, to uh, Kevin Costner mm-hmm. in, in the movie. And he basically goes uh, who profited who does this who does that and he and he lists off a bunch of the major conspiracy theories uh that have been around for years and that's his mm-hmm. his part and i remember during that scene dan was like yep mhm and he's like shaking his <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but anyway so my friend dan is completely obsessed and has been like studied it read every book watched he's got the zabruder film on video he's watched it like a million he is completely obsessed with it uh, and outside of that outside of that he's a normal guy i guess i don't know yeah but if you get him talking about jfk yeah <laughs> now are there any other ones uh that you that you that you've seen on here that you find like ridiculous the more ridiculous the more fun they are what, what did any other exactly theory? You got any other um, ones? Here? I didn't know that that uh, there was a conspiracy theory that Prince Charles was a vampire. <laughs> See, I didn't know that either. Explain what what does it say here? What does it say? Um, well, it says that <laughs> the Prince of Wales is related to Vlad the Impaler, who is the inspiration for Dracula. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, and it says that uh, in in his bloodline, the royals, because you know it's a little bit of a incest yeah, well, fest yeah. in there are, are we so they with, got like all these diseases uh-huh. and they 
and they're known so and the royals were known to have some disease called porphyria which is an iron deficiency that causes people to be sensitive to sunlight so this just sounds like he's like a sad vampire like he doesn't even have any like he doesn't want blood or anything he just can't go in the sun yeah <laughs> and he has just the relation yeah it's not wow. as exciting as I was hoping it would would have he's been. A, he's reading Prince that Charles Prince is, Charles is a vampire. So it's like he's like a Twilight vampire. Does he twinkle? Does he? Well, I guess. Does he shine like in Twilight? <laughs> like in Twilight? Could Prince you imagine Charles. though if Prince Charles was actually a vampire? This is like the like who would even like he just doesn't. I don't so, know. Yeah, vampires no, seem cool. He's not cool. He's not cool, and that's one of the reasons why Diana wanted to leave him. Like, you're not a cool vampire. I thought you were a cool vampire. Yeah, that's what she. <laughs> she was like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> well, oddly enough, that's why Kristen Stewart was cast in Spencer because she was in the Twilight what? movies. That's why. Really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I just, oh, oh, that just, I see. So that she just has came relation in... to this. No, no, no. That just came into my head. I was like, "Oh my god, Kristen Stewart played Princess Di <laughs> in Spencer." So there's a connection between the Twilight movies and Spencer. Even that's more. there you go. <laughs> There's We're a conspiracy. starting our own conspiracy exactly. theories. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, Princess uh, Prince Charles is a vampire. Now I'm looking at one of these, and I uh, uh, maybe you can find it quicker than I can. One of them is about zombies. Uh, oh like, yeah, that, that that zombies are real, essentially. Yeah, that they can rise from the dead. I mean, if oh, here's that's what it says. True. Here's what it says. Um, the belief yeah. in zombies can be traced back to ancient Greece when they buried their dead with stones on top of them that, uh, so that they couldn't return from the grave. Even today, some people prepare for a zombie apocalypse just in case, and some people think it's real. I mean... I wish I zombies do... were real. <laughs> no, you wouldn't, because you'd get eaten. I like Come zombies, on, Nick. though. Let's I be always, real. <laughs> I always... I, but every, my zombies are my favorite genre you know i love horror movies but my favorite sub i know but if it were to happen in real life oh be cool the zombies aren't gonna be like you just go hey zombies they're my (laughs) friends cool i always yeah they're not gonna be like oh okay i always root for the zombies when i watch zombie movies i always do yeah well i'm sure they would uh, immediately (laughs) turn you into a zombie so there you go which is cool because i like zombies And then you'd be a zombie. You'd be like, I'm what I love. I love... Oh, my arm fell off, but I don't give a shit. It's cool. I mean, the way that they portray them now in movies where it's more of a disease. Yeah. So, like, I Train to get... Busan and... Um, <laughs> yeah. What's what's the one with uh, Killian Murphy? Uh, the 28, 28 Days, days later. later. Like, they're all diseases, so, right? Yeah, but you know what? I'm not going to get into this because it'll take an hour and a half. Yeah. But those are those aren't zombies. Those aren't zombies. Um, as, the, the, Twenty-eight days later, they're not zombies. Those are people that are infected with a disease called the rage disease. And if we want to be very technical about it, zombies die and come back to life. That's a zombie, right? The 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 characters, the creatures in Twenty-eight Days Later, they don't die and come back to life. They're infected yeah, with a they disease. They just turn. So I I get real anal about you know and technical. Because a mm-hmm. zombie, you have to die and come back to life to be a zombie in my world. And yeah, see, I just and you can't be fast. Sound like a good life, Nick. You can't, and you can't be fast. I don't. You can't right. be fast. Fast zombies suck. And 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 I've got that from the from George Romero himself, the Godfather yeah. of zombies. 
once told me, uh, yes, because I, I told him I hated fast zombies. He said, me too. Zombies are slow. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, if George Romero says zombies are slow, then they're fucking well, wait slow. A minute. Well, then what did he, I mean, didn't he do the one with uh, that one zombie that started thinking? Yeah, but name? that's different. Bub. Yeah, he was like fast, wasn't he? No, he was No, no. Really? No, 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 no. There are no fast zombies in George Romero movies. There are no fast. felt like he walked they get, they a, little, get tr- a little quicker. No, they get, t- he used a gun. He learned how to use a gun. They get smarter. And, and, and as the movies go on, as they progress, and one of the reasons why I like zombies so much is because in the George Romero movies, the zombies are always kind of the most likable uh, protagonists in the movie. They're the victims. The humans are the assholes. Well, yeah, I mean, the zombies yeah. are just like, hey, yeah, exactly. I just want to eat your brains. Exactly. I just want to eat, man. I, I'm just so, hungry. Yeah. Uh, but and yeah. It just but, so happens to be your brains. But see, that, but yeah, that's me romanticizing zombies. Though. But if they really did exist, I'd probably freak out and piss myself. I mean, it'd be, it'd be good if they were the slow ones. Like the yeah. slow ones I could deal with. <laughs> Well, because yeah, I can't outrun the fast ones. But there, the thing I can outrun the slow, the slow ones. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I love Shaun of the Dead so much, mm-hmm. is because they they go old school in that movie. Like Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright are like, no, no fast zombies in this movie. That movie was made in the mid. <laughs> that movie was made in the mid two thousands. By that point, fast zombies were all the rage, and they were like, yeah. uh, nope, nope, no, 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 no. We're going back to George Romero. These are zombies. They shuffle along, and the reason why zombies are scary, even though they're slow, is that they there are so many of them. Like, they're going to get your ass. That's why, like, in Dawn of the Dead, in the original Dawn of the Dead, when they're trapped inside this this shopping mall, when you get about five zombies around you, you're kind of screwed because that means more zombies are on the way. And pretty soon, 25 zombies are surrounding you, ripping your guts out of your uh, your body. That's true. You are, yeah. Oh, zombies. I love them. (laughs) How about this? Mm -hmm. The moon isn't real. Okay. I'm this is a like, real conspiracy theory. Who who thought of that? <laughs> Man, who, who thought, thought of like, hey, of that moon's not real? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It says, that's right. Some people think the moon doesn't exist. The conspiracy theory has gained particular traction with flat earthers. Oh, God. Um, and they think <sighs> that the moon is simply a projection of some kind. What does that so even who's mean? who's projecting it? Zeus? That's the thing. I, like, you say that, but then, like, where is this projection? <laughs> yeah. Where is it coming from? Oh, I don't know. The Earth is flat. Meanwhile, they think the Earth is flat. So, um... God. What are yeah, some of the that, other... too, yeah, makes the flat Earth, no sense. No, I mean, I can't even... I, I, I You know what's... <laughs> well, I, I, somebody posted this on uh, the intranets. It was kind of a famous sort of post uh, mm-hmm. about how stupid conspiracy sort of theorists, especially flat earthers, are. And they had a meeting. They were the, the Flat Earthers Association or whatever it is, the dipshit association of America. Um, yeah. Like they had a meeting, you know, and they, they, they were like, if you would like to come to this meeting, I don't know, it was probably like at a, in the basement of a, you know, Best Western or something. You know? mm-hmm. and, and, but they said um, the flat, flat Earthers, and I'm, this is, I'm not kidding. This was how they worded it, Esmeralda. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. They said, everyone, please come to our Flat Earther uh, uh, meeting. Every Flat Earther from, the, from around the globe will be there. <laughs> I just, like, I'm not kidding. They, that's, how they, uh, that's how they phrased it. <laughs> and nobody, nobody has the foresight. Like, none of them were like, that seems inaccurate. 
<laughs> we should yeah. change this wording. Right. You would think, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't the, get it. I don't get it. The the conspiracies I enjoy and I kind of think might be real. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, okay. The the Bigfoot one. Oh, love and it. And the Loch Ness monster. I don't yeah. know. They could just be giant animals. You know, my old we don't, producer. We don't know what's in the ocean. My old my old producer um, is Scottish, Tom Hush, mm-hmm. uh, who is a producer for whoever is hosting the morning show on WGN. Yeah. Or WLS for, right for now. WLS. <laughs> for WLS. Um, anyway, he's the producer there. Uh, and he produced my show for a couple of years. And he's Scottish. And he's been to Scotland. He's got mm-hmm. family there. He's been to Scotland. And they, everybody in Scotland uh, thinks it's just hilarious. You know? Uh, so when people show up and go, Hey, the Loch Ness monster, they're like, yeah, buy a t-shirt. You know what I mean? They're like, here, here, here's a stuffed Loch Ness monster. It's 20 bucks. Enjoy yourself. You know what I mean? 20 euro, sorry. 20 euro. Enjoy yourself. You know? So they've, they've embraced it over there. Um, I think too. Okay. So maybe the Loch Ness, not so much because it isn't a lake. You'd think you would have seen it by now. (laughs) Yeah. But Bigfoot, I don't know. There could be a giant bear man. And if there is, then, then like uh, evidently people just like to fuck with him over uh, beef jerky. Right, he loves his beef jerky. <laughs> and they they mess He's with a- him in those commercials. They're ass- people are assholes in those commercials. Yeah. <laughs> no, the Bigfoot one has always been fun. That's always that's like a classic one. I've had. Hey, listen, Esmeralda, I hosted an overnight show for many years, so I've had yes. a lot of I've had a lot of these kind of guests on over the years, especially during the last like year and a half when I was forced to have morons as guests. <laughs> because the idiots in charge of GN thought that I should have more ghosts and you know guests and more. Oh, good. Oh no, seriously. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm I'm not kidding. The the kind of stuff that they yeah. Made me, no, I believe it. The kind of stuff that the that those idiots made me do during the last like year and a half was just insane. Um, but Oof. you get that kind of stuff. I mean, Art Bell was legendary overnight. Um, you know, syndicated uh, uh, talk show guy. Fantastic. Love Art Bell. But a lot of his stuff was like Bigfoot conspiracy. Go, you know, that kind of weird shit. Hmm. Um, and I mean, there's also, uh, this is not on the list, but there's the conspiracy of the chupacabra. Oh, yeah. yeah. Another uh, f- maybe fictional animal? I don't know. I've I've <laughs> talked about that on my show, too. <laughs> I had a couple of authors of a couple of books over the years about that, about that very uh, subject. Yeah, I don't yeah. not believe it. I don't know. I'm not running it's, around in the forest looking for animals. It's fun, though. You know what I mean? It's fun to... I think conspiracy theories are kind of fun, especially the more ridiculous ones. How about this one, Ezreal? Are you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Em- Amelia Earhart was eaten by crabs. What kind of conspiracy theory is that? <laughs> Maybe? Why is it... I'm, I'm kind of like, why is it a conspiracy theory? Because they, they never did find her body. I mean, that could be a possibility. It says here... I have to say that I only I've heard a lot of conspiracy theories about Amelia Earhart. I don't think I've ever heard the eaten by crabs one. Yeah, I mean because that's that's as you said, Esmeralda, that's pretty specific. It's very um, practical too. Just like she's <laughs> eaten by crabs. It's like okay, well, I mean, maybe, probably. <laughs> crabs will clean your bones. You know, they'll clean everything yeah. from your bones. But it says Amelia Earhart has been shrouded in mystery ever since her aircraft disappeared in 1937. While it's widely believed that she ran out of fuel and crashed into the ocean, some think that she landed by mistake on a deserted island and was eventually eaten by three-foot-long coconut crabs that inhabited the shores. I mean, are those real? Three-foot-long coconut crabs. I don't know. Are these coconut crabs real? Because then, yeah, maybe they did eat her. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just saying this conspiracy theory is not so crazy in my mind. <laughs> I mean, if so she you're... did, if she did even crash into the ocean and she and that was that, I mean, the, the so, fish and the animals ate her up. So, so you're you're buying the three foot long coconut crabs? They ate Amelia Earhart. I mean, are are these? Is this the theory? Like, is this the big? Oh, that's not believable that there are three foot long <laughs> coconut crabs. <laughs> I think that there are. I don't think that the existence of three foot long coconut crabs is the question. I think that there probably are. I wouldn't know. I mean, do they a lo- eat meat? <laughs> I don't know if they eat humans. I I would doubt that. I I don't know. I mean, if it's meat, yeah. I don't know. I bet they're tasty, all right. I though. am looking at pictures of three foot long of crabs. These How much would that crabs? run at Red, at Red Lobster? What do you think that would Holy run? Holy moly! <laughs> I mean. <laughs> They are giant. Oh man, that'd be good eating, though. I'll tell you what: when we go to when we go to Gale Street, they've got great crab legs at Gale Street. Oh, I'll really? see if. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they have great seafood. Nice. It, ribs and seafood are their specialties, Esmeralda. I'm telling you. Uh, so Gale Street Inn, uh, when you go there, uh, I'll see when we do our podcast from there. I'll make sure that George has the giant four foot crabs on the menu. Crab legs, yeah. <laughs> Go get some coconut crabs, George. Yes, we're we're going to need about 40 gallons of butter for the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Because, right. I mean, she's she did die, right? Like, well, nobody yeah. Nobody thinks that I mean, she landed somewhere and she no. forever lived. Like, she left... She's like, okay, I found this better place to live. I never want to be back. You know? Yeah, I'm that gonna, seems weird. I'm going to live with Wilson the soccer ball at this point. Right? Or the volleyball. <laughs> he was a volleyball, not a soccer ball. Volleyball. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah. Get it right. Sorry. Shit. Robert Zemeckis is pissed at me now. He's like my favorite director, and I screwed up a detail in one of his movies. Um, um, how about th- I enjoy... Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go, go, go please. Uh, the, the Matrix one. That we all live in the Matrix. Yeah, I believe we do. Oh, oh yeah. It's another one I wish... <laughs> Although this real. Matrix sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Although, honestly, okay, so if you... If the Matrix was a thing... And you had the choice of the blue pill, the red pill, whatever. Would you take it? Uh, I, 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 I would stay in the matrix. I would be like, yeah. Uh, I would be like Cipher. I know that this isn't, this steak isn't real. You know what yeah, I mean? That whole still, scene. I don't want to be in some yeah. goo and then eat yeah. just porridge or whatever no, they were eating. I agree. I totally agree. Come on, man. Wearing that long black leather coat with the badass shades. That's awesome. Right? <laughs> yeah. Being able to fight like that. Hell yeah. Oh, but instead, yeah, I'm going to live yeah. with all these machines and right. wear burlap sacks as clothes. Like, right. no. But we but I'm they have the but they have really long unnecessary raves and dance parties. <laughs> I can do that in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> um no, but you know, you know how I feel about the Matrix, Esmeralda, about those movies. I I adore those movies. And uh and yeah, but I I would just stay in the Matrix. I would not take the damn pill. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I mean, I would like to know, because he doesn't tell him, right? He just tells him it's the truth. Like, you'll find the truth. Well, he, no, he, 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 yeah, I mean, he takes, once he takes the pill, he's fucked, basically. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, And then Morpheus tells him all about it, that we're all batteries, basically. Um, uh, Because that's essentially what, according to the Matrix, we are batteries. That's, that's what we are. Um, Or maybe... I would like to take the pill, but only because I can then go back and forth. Yeah, now you can do that. Yes, that's something you can do. You, it, and also it, you can upload stuff because 
in the as you're in the matrix you can't do that no like uh, not knowing anything yeah no i mean he didn't know how to fly a helicopter until they loaded it into his brain while he was on the while he right. was in the chair until cypher loaded it not cypher uh loaded into his brain when he was on the chair and then suddenly he knew how to fly in it or, or she did she knew how to fly a helicopter they yeah. gave her so maybe yeah. take the pills just so i can do that but not go yeah. out into see, the, like, I'll just stay in the Matrix and then come back every once in a while and be like, hey, could you add this? Thank you. Okay. I'm going yeah. back in. <laughs> I, wouldn't it be, I mean, but I mean, look look at how much fun we're having this conversation of whether the Matrix would exist. It's just so cool. I love everything about those movies. I really do. And I even <laughs> like the last one. Everybody hated the last one. I love the last one. Everybody hated it. I don't know. But oddly, I hate that everything, everywhere, everyone, all at once movie, which was, it's like an entirely you know, inspired by the matrix. Mm, and okay. I hated it. That Michelle Yeoh movie. I hated it. It's like these guys got high. They watched the matrix and they watched a couple of Charlie Kaufman movies. They watched, you know, being John, <laughs> they watched being John Malkovich a couple of times and they watched the matrix and went, Hey, let's make a movie like that. And then they made, yeah. that, piece of, they made that piece of shit. Um, but yeah, if the matrix were real. So, but now, you know, so basically you want Bigfoot to be real and I want zombies to be real. That's what it's come down to. Right. And then we'd have Bigfoot fight the zombies. <laughs> hey, Esma Olis production number one, number two. There right you there. go. Bigfoot Although, versus... Although, don't they... Doesn't that happen in Cabin Fever? Or what's the one movie, uh, Cabin in the Woods? Cabin in the Woods, yeah. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, so many of those things happen in that movie. Which is very much conspiracy theory-esque. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. God, I love that movie, too. Oh, my God. It's I a love great movie. movie. One of my favorite movies, my favorite horror movies of the past 20 years. It's so smart and so funny. And so good. Uh, God, it's just great. It's just great. So, well, uh, you know what's not a conspiracy is how funny my dad is. Mm. You see mm-hmm. how I segue? You see how I do the segue? Good there? job. That's why good I got job. a plaque that was once in the sidewalk leaning against my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> you know my dad tells a joke and you love it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right, let's hear my dad's joke. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Ah, yes! Here we go. You know what? You know what, Esmeralda, I just realized what I should do, and I'll do this for next Tuesday, the next time my dad mm-hmm. comes to tell the joke. I'm going to have to let my dad in. I have to let him into the apartment. Oh, right. So he's going to have to ring my doorbell, and I'll have to open the door. I think I'll have to add that to the next There you go. <laughs> the next time. But he's here. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, Dad, tell a joke. What do you call 10 rabbits in a row, and they all take a hop backwards? A receding hairline. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. We'll do it again next <laughs> next Tuesday. Receding hairline, get it? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's what they call rabbits. It, rabbits are called <laughs> hairs, but hairs are also on your head. It's spelled differently, mm-hmm. but it still works as in the joke mm-hmm. world. Oh, Word play. See? <laughs> Yeah. I think I broke my ass. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> hey, uh, you you're uh, you're doing something uh, uh, special. Uh, is it this Wednesday or next Wednesday? What what's what's going no, on? No, it's this Wednesday. This I'll Wednesday. Be, uh, yes, I'll be on WCPT so tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yes. yes. I'll be on WCPT filling in for Patty Vasquez uh, from 5 to 6. So you can check it out on 8.20 a.m. It's from, uh, yeah, it's from 5 p.m. to 6. She just does the hour, but I'm filling in for her because she is, uh, she's hanging out in Mexico. Oh, she is? Lovely. Yeah. She took a a lovely vacation. Um, But you can find it online. You just search WCPT. Okay. But uh, if you are on the radio, listening to your radio, it's 8.20 a.m. Remember those things, radios? Remember those? Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. They still, All right. They're still there. <laughs> so Esmeralda is hosting uh, the Patty Vasquez. Is it called the Patty Vasquez Show? It is, yes? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe if she went by a different name. But it's Patty Vasquez. Uh, not she, but the show had a name. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Patty Vasquez. Okay. The Patty show. Vasquez Show on 8.20 a.m. Uh, and on Wednesday, tomorrow... Um, mm-hmm. uh, from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m., you can hear Esmeralda. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. You got stuff Very planned? Exciting. All kinds of cool, crazy stuff happening? Um, <laughs> Yeah, for the, the quick hour I have. Is Bigfoot um, going to be there? Big, Bigfoot? You yeah, maybe. Bigfoot? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he might make an appearance. Yeah, you never you know. imagine? I'd be like, I am having Bigfoot on the air. That's right. And he will answer questions. <laughs> and, a bunch of, and a bunch of flat earthers from around the globe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Make sure oh you listen. Goodness. Make sure you listen to uh, Esmeralda filling in for Patty tomorrow, Wednesday, eight twenty a.m. from five p.m. to six p.m. You can hear it on the radio, and you can find it all over the intranets. Esmeralda, it's always the best to talk to you. You rule. Oh, thank you. And uh, Ditto. We'll, do it, we'll do it again uh, on Friday. I was going to say Thursday, but no, Friday. 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 We'll talk about uh, all kinds mm-hmm. of fun stuff. And uh, that's when uh, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi will join me for the movie reviews. When we'll review the uh, Dumbledore, Secrets of Dumbledore's Face, and uh, the Father Stew with uh, Mark Wahlberg. That should be fun. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> so uh, that's all coming up. You've been listening to the Nick D Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Subscribe to many of the amazing podcasts available on this network. Check out radiomisfits.com. I want to thank Jason Skaggs and everybody and Dan Feinberg from The uh, Hollywood Reporter for talking TV with me. And uh, we'll be back again on Friday. Uh, And also, uh, rate and review us on any platform. Make sure you take the time to rate us and review us. And again, anytime you want to be a part of the podcast, 773-417-6948 for any voicemails. Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you on Friday. And thanks for listening.